Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome back to the Rex Chapman Show with super sexy, super cool Josh Hopkins. That's me. That is you. And Josh, guess who we have this week on the show? Well, Jerry Jones. No, two more. Yes, two more. Jimmy Jackson. No, but you're getting closer. Uh, You got this. You got this. Johnson and Johnson. No. What is it? James Jones. James Andrew Jones, the general manager of the Phoenix Suns. Champ. And three-time world champion. That's right. He's talking to us today. That's great. It is great. And timely, too. Suns, best record in the West, best record in the league. There's an argument that could be made. They're the best team in the NBA over the last calendar year. They went 8-0 in the bubble last year before slightly missing the playoffs. Um, And looks like you know, they're on track to possibly secure a top spot in the West. How about that? He could possibly be the GM of the year. I mean, possibly. Be, it seems like a one horse race. Who yeah, else is it? I don't know. I mean, I, mean I, I was trying to think earlier the Knicks, the Knicks. I mean, you got to you know, have some consideration, yes, but yes. I think the it Kentucky is a one horse race. The Kentucky Knicks. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Anyway, I can't Lakers. wait to meet him. You've only said the best things about him. I've never, you know, met him, and I just everyone says he's super intelligent, and of course, he's one of the known as one of the all-time best teammates, locker room guys that to ever play in the league. He's impressive. You'll see. Amazing. Um, let's talk a little NBA real quick. Uh, the Lakers are back and playing not very well. Yeah, are they back? AD's not him. It's, it's, you know, you know, it's, it's time to kind of start to figure it out and turn it on. I know they've been away from each other for, for a long time, but it's hard to just turn it on, especially with the improvement the other teams have made this year. And the older you get, the harder it is to turn it on and off. Um, I think they're going to be fine. You, you could kind of foresee that they would go through some, you know, a few crappy games uh, when LeBron and AD both got back just to shake off some rust. I imagine they're going to be set for playoffs, but they're sure not playing very well right now. Lowry and Siakam uh, for Toronto torched them last night for 77 points. Just those. Amazing. Just, just, just those, those two. two. <laughs> <laughs> those two players. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Zion still doing beastly things uh, for the Pelicans. Just yeah, a, a must watch every night. I know, you know, and I'm, I know we've always said they're about to, they're going to run more through him in point guard. I mean, now they're talking about he's going to be the point guard. Like, you know, I would have never thought oh, I know. that when I saw him at Duke. Point forward. Well, you know, Josh, let's talk to James Jones on the Rex Chapman Show with Josh Hopkins, powered by basketballnews.com let's get to it james andrew jones the gm general manager of the phoenix suns welcome james 
Hey, thanks for calling me Andrew. No one calls me Andrew. <laughs> it's kind of my thing now. I'm just, I'm rolling with the middle names to introduce everybody. What's going on, buddy? I'm good, man. It's good to see you, man. Good to see you. I'm going to jump right in. You know, I, I know I've probably told you this before, but right when I finished playing uh, in 2000, started working for the Suns uh, there in the front office scouting, and you were one of the first guys that they sent me to, to, to watch at Miami. And just to watch what you've done, uh, you know, coming second round pick, um, 15 years in the league, 14, 14, 14, 14 years in the NBA, uh, three titles, correct? Yeah, three, three titles. Um, and now, you know, have taken the Phoenix Suns and uh, kind of morphed them into something that we haven't that we haven't seen. I want to ask I want to start off way back. Uh, what got you into basketball and at what age did you realize you could shoot it better than everyone else? Well, you know, I come from a basketball family, you know, so my dad, my dad, James, actually played at Southern um, with Avery Johnson. And so um, basketball was my blood. You know, my mom and my, you know, my, my mom's side of the family from mom to my aunt Lisa, who played at the University of Miami, Florida. I had an aunt Hope who played at Bear University. A cousin Shay, who played at the University of Miami, Florida, uh, women's basketball program as well. Um, uh, when you just go through, I had a, a cousin that played at Marshall, Sean Brailsford, who played for Dwight Freeman, who was one of my coaches at the University of Miami. So basketball is in my family uh, bloodline. Um, growing up in Miami, I played everything. Though. You know, South Florida is a football hotbed. So I played football as a football quarterback. You know, my uncle Ricky played professional baseball, so I, I dabbled in baseball. Um, and, and football was my first love, um, but I did have an uncle, uh, Donnell, and my high school coach, Jimmy uh, Jones, who everyone thought I was his son. We had the same name. Yeah. Uh, my uncle Donnell actually was one of the guys that when I was a young athlete thinking about what sport I wanted to play, was like, hey, you should really come play for me. You know, you should come on my, my Pop Warner team. You should play basketball because um, I, I really love football. So about the age of 12, is when I said, you know, like, I love football. I love basketball. You know, I have all these tools, all these gifts. I come from a basketball family. But, you know, I, I think I want to really start giving basketball everything. So from the age of 12 until the day I stopped dribbling the basketball in the NBA, basketball was the only thing I thought about. Did well, you want to? Uh, just real quick, it, yeah. an addendum to that. You know, so many of these kids now, they just play basketball all year. And not many do the circuit and play like we did, baseball and everything. How did playing other sports help you in the NBA? Um, it, made, it made me aware. Like, you know, and, and it, it, it just gives you a broader perspective. Like, you see how all of these athletic movements, you see how all of the coaching and teaching and things from other sports, how it translates. You know, football, being a quarterback, being a receiver, you learn timing. You know, you, you learn what it's like, you know, to be precise in your cuts. You know, when you're playing baseball, hand-eye coordination. You know, you're trying to anticipate what pitch the pitcher is throwing. You're trying to anticipate where the ball is going. So you're in the defensive stand stance. You're not going straight, like, forward. You're moving laterally. And so, you know, being a, a football player where you have to get used to contact, if you're going to be a big guy playing against, you know, grown men, as a, as a rookie, as a, you know, fresh, fresh into the NBA. I mean, all of these things translate. So for me, I, I think well-rounded athletes are better equipped 
to deal with basketball because basketball is a beautiful sport. It's, it's a sport like it's all those sports combined in one possession. Um, you know, it's 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 just it's good for these young kids. And I thought it was it's extremely uh, helpful for me being a multi-sport athlete because it, it showed me that there were different ways to attack the game of basketball. Well said. So, so you, absolutely. So you, um, you're a terrific high school player in Miami and where did you think about going other than Miami? And then why Miami? I put out a a tweet the other day saying you were going to be on the show this week. And immediately I get a response from Gino Toretta saying Miami hurricane. So, (laughs) you know, I I know, I know you've got, that is the you, but why was it the place for you? Hall well, of Famer at the U. Yeah, well, look, man, yes. I mean, I, my aunt, Lisa uh, Jones Gutierrez, who passed away a couple years ago, um, she was my hero when it comes to basketball. Um, I remember going down to the University of Miami um, to watch football games, but really down to James L. Knight Center where she played on campus uh, with Coach, with coach uh, Fern Labati. Um, and... And I remember being a kid, like watching my aunt in the white and green and orange playing basketball. And you know, I'd be out on the court sometimes before their games. I'd be on the court before some of their practices, kind of almost like a mini ball boy. And it was a dream. Like it was for me as a kid, it was the closest dream to being an NBA player because in Miami, it was the U, football. The University of Miami was bigger than anything. The Miami Heat didn't exist uh, up until I think 88. And so all I knew was the University of Miami. So stepping on campus, stepping into that that arena, you know, that for a kid, that was a dream come true. And so when I had a chance to to grow up and not only attend the University of Miami, where you know some of the the, the greatest football players to ever play the game of football, a sport that I love, um, that's where they came from. Um, but to be able to say like, hey, I'm one of these guys, made it a dream for me. So growing up. You know, I was recruited by all the schools in Florida, schools on the West Coast, um, Ivy League schools, schools up north in the Big East, every conference you can imagine. But deep down inside, I knew I wasn't leaving Miami because my family was there. Um, you know, the, the community that raised me was there. And then more importantly, there just weren't very many guys from Miami who were professional basketball players. You know, we had some up north. We had Mitch Richmond. You know, you had Eddie Jones from Plantation. Um, but there weren't any guys from Miami. And, you know, Tim James came before me and he was a guy at the University of Miami who said, like, look, who show like you can go to the University of Miami, which is predominantly a football school and be one of the best basketball players in the world. And so I, I decided like early that if I'm going to make it to the NBA, I'm going to make it to the NBA um, here at home. Awesome. When you when you um, and you went you went to Miami, obviously had a Hall of Fame career there. But um, you met your wife, Destiny, and uh, you, you have a beautiful family now. Um, talk about meeting her and what her background is. Well, you know, like I went to University of Miami because Leonard Hamilton is a great recruiter. Recruited <laughs> you know? me, he recruited me at Kentucky. I already know. Man, Coach Ham, he laid it on me. He told me, you know, you can come to University of Miami and, and I promise you, um, you're going to leave here a better man, um, a, a, a great person. And uh, you'll be ready for anything. Little did I know, like, it would lead me to staying in college in Miami and I'd get a chance to meet my wife, Destiny. I met her after my freshman year uh, in the summer, following my freshman year. And, you know, she's been like, I I can't say there's 
another person who's had a greater impact on me as a person than she has. Um, just because at that time in my life, I'm in college. The only thing I could think about was making it to the NBA. I just want to make it to the NBA. I want to play games. I want to score points. I want to go to the NBA. But she grounded me. You know, she you know was the one person I said, hey, if basketball goes away, I can have her in my life and I'm good. And so she helped me navigate the NBA because we all know like it, it gets lonely at the top. This is a tough place to play. You know, you're against the alphas all the time. You know, you're competing against the, the scoreboard, the shot clock and the stat sheet every single night. And uh, you have to get up and do it again. And you're in battle and you're going against guys that love you, but they want to kill you at the same time. <laughs> they want what you got. So having her um, was was huge for me. And so we met after my sophomore year. Um, she was with me when I, um, you know, she stayed back in school and finished her graduate work when I was off in Indiana um, as a rookie. We got married after my sophomore year, and then she's been with me ever since. We have three beautiful kids. And to this day, I don't think I can ever do enough to repay her for her allowing me to pursue my dream uh, of, one, being a professional NBA player, but also being a dad, a father, and a great role model. So, I mean, I love that woman to death, and I wouldn't, and I wouldn't be here if it weren't for her. You know, Rex uh, has bragged on both of you to me about how smart both of you are. And uh, I know you were an academic All-American. Uh, that's, that's fantastic. You said she's brilliant. I, Rex had said, or someone that she actually uh, had the job of psychoanalyzing jurors. Yeah, so she- Correct? Yeah, so she, her background, you know, she came up in marine biology and then eventually uh, she went into mental health and I mean, mental health and family counseling. Uh, but throughout that process, she did a lot of consulting work, uh, working with focus groups and working with uh, jurors. And it was in that, in that space of um, analyzing juries and figuring out, you know, like how they respond to um, like how they respond to, to witnesses, how they respond to testimony, how do they respond to approaches, uh, language, all those things. So um She's she's the one with the, the upper level graduate degrees. I'm I'm the guy that just got a bachelor's from putting the ball in the basket. <laughs> then, James, that that's that's badass to begin with. But how I can understand how that might have been able to help you as a player. But now, as a as an executive, and you know we've we've got young players in the NBA. How does her background? How does how do you guys? Uh, help feed off one another? How does she help you in dealing with some of these things you might have to deal with with guys? Man, well, like I told, she she was she was my my best friend. She is my best friend and my therapist. You know, she was there with me through every step, you know, like observing, you know, what this business and what this you know, lifestyle would do to you. And so it made me hyper aware of these situations. So now I, with our younger guys, I can remember you know, not only going through it, but the counsel she gave me that helped me get through it. So I'm, I'm able to relay a lot of these, um, like I'm, I'm able to, to relay a lot of the lessons I've learned from our interactions uh, to our guys. And it's been helping them just adjust to, you know, this situation. Our, our guys have gone from, you know, people just expecting, you know, them to come out and compete to compete. Um, now they're expecting them to win at the highest level. And I experienced that my time when I went to Miami, where we went from, hey, just make it to the playoffs to, 
hey, now it's time to win a title. It's championship or bust. And it's not just one title. You have to win multiple titles in order for this to be deemed a success. So that's that's a that's a tough jump for for guys who haven't been there. It's a tough jump for them to make. Um, but I've experienced that. I've had someone in my corner who helped me do that. And then I try to pass it along to our guys. Well, the fact that you, uh, you know, she she can help, you know, uh, with you and the players that you have already. But what about evaluating? Is there things you've learned from her about evaluating someone's personality and how they might fit in or work? Um, or does she ever help you with that? No, not in, not directly. You know, a lot of she doesn't she doesn't she's not involved in that way. But what she has helped me um, recognize is like the traits that that I I value in friendships and acquaintances. Like she's been there with me. She's seen every guy that's come across my table, every agent that's tried to pitch me, every um, business person that tries to, to throw you in some type of deal. She's seen them all. She's observed them all. And so like the behavioral assessment piece, she's helped me kind of weed out and understand, okay, get beyond all of the words. Like who are these people at their core? And uh, she's helped me be, like I say, better listener. And so that's, that's how it helps me is I get a chance to talk to these guys. I get a chance to talk to our players and I get a good sense for who they are. And it helps me find guys that believe in the same things that I believe in, which is, like high character, integrity, uh, hard work, respect, and uh, being genuine. And if you can you can tease that out of people and and identify that, the work, the the basketball stuff takes care of itself because you don't get to this level unless you really love what you're doing. This episode of the Rex Chapman Show with Josh Hopkins, who is so cool, is sponsored by Blue Chew. Rex. Blue Chew is an online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in a chewable form and at a fraction of the cost. This unique service is something a lot of guys could use. Are you good, Josh? I'm good. But you're right. A lot of guys we know could use it. Yeah, a lot of guys that aren't us because I'm good. But if you're interested, this is a spectacular new product. Blue Chew is bringing more confidence to the bedroom by offering chewable tablets that can help men get stronger, longer-lasting erections. He said erections. Rex, grow up, okay? Don't make it weird. Okay, Josh, but Blue Chew won't make it weird, right? No visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, and no waiting in the line at the pharmacy. Tell me Blue Chew is shipped right to your door in a discreet package. See, now you got it, Rex. That's exactly what it is. The process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive the prescription within days. And the best part? It's all done online. Blue Chew's licensed medical providers work with you to find the right ingredients and strength for your prescription. Blue Chew's tablets are chewable, made in the USA, and shipped direct, so it's cheaper than a pharmacy. So, if you could benefit from extra confidence when it's time to perform, visit BlueChew.com for more details and important safety information. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use the promo code Josh. Just kidding. Promo code Rex at checkout and pay $5 shipping. That's BlueChew.com promo code Rex to give you your first month free. And we thank Blue Chew for sponsoring the Rex Chapman Show with Josh Hopkins is really cool. Powered by BasketballNews.com. Man, I, uh, you know, I'm a Suns alum. And, uh, you know, I still watch the games and, and root for the Suns. You took this job three years ago at a, 
at a time when it was not a real sexy job. Now, I lived in the Valley for 20 years. I know what the Phoenix Suns mean to that community. And, you know, it, yeah, it has been tough for Suns fans and faithful for the last decade or so not making the playoffs. But, James, three years later, you guys are number one in the West, best record in the league. Um, what were the biggest cultural changes you had to make when you took over there officially as GM? Well, you know, I, when I played here, um, that was my first time living in Arizona, spending an extended, an extended uh, period of time in Arizona. And I love the city, you know. So when I was done playing and, and Robert asked me to come back, it wasn't a tough ask as far as coming back to the city. Like, it's a beautiful place. The people are great. Um, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a great lifestyle. Um, the challenge for me was going from, you know, a championship contender to a team that was trying to rebuild something. And, and typically you think of that as like, man, that's a fall, far, a fall, a fall from a far fall from like grace or fall the dropping levels. But I remember what it was like, like grinding, just trying to make my way into the league and being a young guy trying to figure out like, how can I be a pro? How can I maximize my opportunity? So I went back um, to, to, to who I was when I was that kid in Miami dreaming of going to the NBA and being, you know, a, a uh, not highly recruited, an unknown, saying like hard work and determination, commitment can get me wherever I want to go. So I took this job saying like this would be a challenge for me to help young guys who are like here in Phoenix trying their hardest to see success, you know, and to live their dream. And, and that became my motivation. So when I got back and we started the work of changing the culture, it was really more like, hey, this isn't about us going and trying to find the players that can get us back. It's about taking the players that we have and, and helping them move forward, like putting them in the best position to grow and, and showing them that their investment in us is, is worth it because we're as equally or more invested in them. So that, mind, that mindset has guided everything that I've done from being able to take our young guys and, and put them in a position to succeed most importantly, being able to go in and hire Monty as our head coach, you know, being able to keep Trevor, um, Jeff Bauer, Ryan Resch uh, in the fold to help guide us uh, collectively. And then Robert himself agreeing that, you know, he is growing as an owner and like that he is a team member. Uh, so that team mentality of everyone in the building, if you're in sales, if you're in marketing, if you're tickets, if you're security, like you're a part of this team. And in our job, my job, your know, son's job is to, to help you optimize your opportunities and grow to invest in you. So that's I actually brought like a, a crazy, you know, if you think about what Robert is, he's a banker. You think about finance, you always talk about investment. And so our mentality has been let's invest in our guys. Let's give them every resource from a new practice facility to all the technology you can imagine. Let's give them the best food programs. Let's give them the best wellness programs. Let's give them the best that we can. Um, maybe not the best that's available, but the best that we can to, to help them, you know, improve. And, and that's where, you know, that coupled with Devin's growth and adding Chris, which was huge for us. Um, when you put all that together, you build positive momentum. And I'm a guy that's all about momentum. I think the only way you stop momentum um, is you quit. And so we don't have guys that, that are quitters. No one in this organization has ever done that. 
So, you know, we, we keep pushing forward every day and, and, and we've had some success and now we're number one in the West, but that doesn't do it for us because deep down, every one of our guys wants to be a winner. They want to win a title. And when you get like-minded people like that, you know, magic can happen. Uh, look, in this ahead, small time talking, you've already broadened my sort of <laughs> vision of what a GM is and, and what he does. Can you kind of explain what does a GM do? Because I, I was just like, you know, watch the salary cap, hire people. You've already broadened my view. What's a GM do? I'm, I mean, I, if I had to boil it down, I'd say my job is to help our people solve problems. You know, like you have salary cap issues like how can i help trevor and our guys in the front office do that you know if you have personnel issues and we need players coach needs a, a different skill set he needs another role field how can we figure that out how can i solve that problem um that's what generally that's what a general manager does um it's a bunch of everything um but i, I think my biggest job is to serve our, our people like help our players be better help our staff better serve our players and uh you know, if you do that, it's kind of a feedback feedback loop. The more I help them, the more they help us. And that's all I want. Great. You know, I hear you sort of downplaying um, things a little bit. And that's 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 you. That's that's what you do. There there are a lot of GMs that that get jobs and they go to the owner and say, we need to do this. We need to improve the facilities and we need players and we need all that. And they get those things, but they don't turn anything around. You guys have done it. And I want to talk more about the players in a minute. But the very first thing that you did was you went out and got your coach, Monty Williams. Please talk about Monty for a minute. Well, you know, it wasn't hard. I played for Monty when I was in, in Portland. And I knew and I still I know the type of man he is. I know the type of uh, servant coach he is. And. You know, you talk about going in and asking for things. You know, we can ask for a bunch of things, but that's not the answer. The answer always comes back down to the people. And, and so I, real, I realized and I recognized that earlier was I needed a coach who cared more about the people than his record in the, the, the position. So if you ask Monty, like, what's the job of a coach? Is like, you know, to, to help my, my guys, help my staff, help the team you know, help, help our group, you know, just help and build our program. Uh, so that's, that's what's been huge for me is because that guy who sits at the front of the seat has more pressure on him than anyone else. I can say whatever I want to say, but on game night, he has to make the 500 decisions that go into the 100 possessions in the game. Um, I just sit back and say, I gave you everything that you need to make those decisions. Um, but I'm looking at it and I'm, I'm working with someone who I, I, I know and I trust does everything with the, the, the right intentions, uh, doesn't have a malicious thought, a bone in his body um, and is genuine. And so that helps when you're, you're asking guys to trust you. I'm asking the players to trust us with their livelihoods. I'm asking the coaches to trust us with their livelihoods. I'm asking the fans to trust us with their, their commitment, our partners, the same thing. So having Monty um, has been amazing. And he sits, like I said, he has been driving on success. I want to make sure people understand that because I do think that coaches don't get enough credit for the job that they do. Cause I can talk about generally managing coaches have to do that. Plus game plan, plus 
you know, like make the decisions in real time. And, and you know, if you have a good one, a, a great coach, it makes your job, makes my job a lot easier. I've been, I've been fascinated and just with the rebuild sort of uh, the process that's gone into it. And, you know, I do want to talk about the players uh, and, and I want to, I want to talk about Robert Sarver for a second. Robert went out this year and, you know, going and getting a player like Chris Paul, um, an older player, still a great player, all-star. That's a, but he's got a big salary. That's a big sandwich to eat. What went into the thought about bringing Chris into the fold this summer? And I'll also say, yeah, the, the best offseason acquisition, I think, but the second best one is Jay Crowder. That's another starter, bang for the buck. So please go ahead, Jay. Yeah. I mean, well, Chris, it's, you know, Chris is Chris. You know, I mean, what, Robert, what Robert said and what he's been committed to is like, you know, how can we help our guys the most? You know, and when you look at Devin, DeAndre, Mikel, Cam, Dario, we have all of our guys. You know, like when you talk about all of our guys, Robert's focus is like, how can I help these guys the most? Like these guys are committed to, to giving us everything. How can I give them everything that they need to succeed? You know, so go get go get the best coach you believe can can coach this group. And and then go and get the best player that you think can help us the most. And for luckily for us, Chris was available. And what we had built was something that he respected, you know, and he felt like, hey, I could thrive there. So going and getting Chris, you know, was was uh, that was that was Robert saying, hey, whatever it takes to help our guys, I want you to explore and I want you to get it done. It's just that simple. wasn't complex. wasn't anything beyond saying he understands that for young guys, they need leadership. And, you know, that's been my my charge. Go and find us leaders that can help our young guys reach their potential. And then you talk about Jay Crowder. Robert was a driving force behind Jay Crowder. Robert's watched Jay Crowder. Um, played against him, didn't like it, you know, because Jay's yeah. a real tough team first guy, but just he just always saw Jay's competitive spirit for the team. And he felt that after years of having an environment where young guys are trying to prove themselves and by nature, young guys are selfish because they're just trying to find their way and they have to worry about themselves to make it to the second contract. Robert was like, I want someone who, who's beyond that. I want someone who's above that. I want the best teammate, the best competitor we can find um, that will give our group the toughness that we need. And and that was Jay. And so same thing. Rob was like, hey, you know, whatever it takes to get Jay Crowder, I think we should do it. And um, and we got it done. So without those two guys, we wouldn't be where we are today uh, because they are our starters. They are the guys with experience, but they're two of the best teammates these guys could ever hope for. Dude, and speaking, I, I, speaking I, of Chris Paul, real quick, yeah. did, because obviously he's so, he's an all timer and an all time competitor and uh, a team guy. I mean, he'll scrap, he'll get into it, he gets up on people. How much of his talent has been really the turnaround? How much has it been his leadership? I know it's, it's both, but which which trumps the other? You know what is crazy? He's balanced because we need them both equally. If you watch the way he plays. Chris has the ability to give us exactly what we need um, when we need it. And, and there are games where it's just leadership, you know, just talk the guys through and let them go there. And then you'll have another game like we just had recently uh, in New York 
where he's like, my talent needs to take over this game for us because our young guys aren't ready for this moment yet. And, and, and he so sure did. He's been doing that. He's been doing that all year. And so every time I want to look and say, hey, you know what? Our young guys can carry us and, and Chris is leading us. I'm proven wrong the next day when it's like, hey, we need Chris's talent. We need him to score. We need him to to dominate for us to even have a chance. And, and like like a fighter, he answers the bell every single time. So he's he's that's why he's unique. That's why he's one of the greats. Because there, I don't think there are very many guys in the league that can can do what he does um, as consistent. He can't can can do the things that he does on a consistent basis when it's called for inconsistently. If that makes sense. Sure. Because it's not the same thing every night. Our young guys, we're having games where three of our guys are really, really scoring and he doesn't need to do anything. And then we'll have games where those guys are great in the first quarter and it looks like they're headed towards a good night. And before you know it, the bottom drops out of it. And now we need Chris. Hey, we need you to have your, your fingerprints and handprints on the next 10 possessions. Give me six made buckets, two free throws, four assists and two steals. Like, And ha- to have those types of runs without changing his approach drastically, like to do it in the moment is pretty impressive. Yeah. You know, you've got Aiton, Booker, CP3, um, Jay, guys that you know you, you've sort of targeted as your, as your guys. But as you look around from the outside looking in, your player development is killing it. Um, <laughs> I go back a year or a year and a half. Mikael Bridges' jump shot, I couldn't even look at it. Um, you know, Javon Carter's come in, he's playing campaign. You got Tory Craig, you've got, you got guys that can start that are sitting on your bench sometimes and don't even get in the game, but they're cam cam Johnson. He continues to get better. What is it about your player development? That's allowing because Mikhail's jump shot improvement is it's dramatic. How did you get there? Well, well it starts with the, the guys, you know, having players that are like, invested in, in their own improvement. You know, that's 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 the first step. And then secondly, you know, there's no ego about it. Like we all have our ideas of what a player should be and what we want them to be. Um, but at the end of the day, our job is just to help these guys improve. Um, and and we're taking what they do well and what they want to do. And we're empowering them to, to do more of it. You know, so rather than come in and fix a guy's shot and say, we're going to tear your shot down and break your shot down and tell you how to be a player. Who am I to go and tell a guy who's, you know, for 22 years been the best player on his team and had tremendous success? Who am I to say, hey, this is how you have to do it? Um, That's kind of arrogant. You know, so we we take a different approach where it's like, you know, we have our ideas of what should be done, um, but we want to be effective more than right. So for Mikel, you know, (laughs) he's, he's a guy who, you know, like has 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 improved his jump shot and he he was hitchy. You know, he had tried some things that had gotten him derailed. And it's not like, hey, those things that you've done are wrong. It's, hey, let's get you back right. What does it take? What do we need to do to get you to a point where you're comfortable shooting it? You know, shooting it the way you want to shoot it. Um, And so just gentle nudges and improvement. We have an improvement philosophy. I always talk about develop. You know, I said this the other day. When you're talking about developing something, you're trying to start from scratch. Um, what I think our guys appreciate is that we're saying, no, we're not developing anything. We're improving what you already have. And that's acknowledging the work and acknowledging their skill. And, and that creates the synergy and buy-in from both sides, where it's like coaches and trying to tell you what to do. Coaches trying to help you do what you said you want to do. 
And that's how you you build a working relationship. And and these guys have been at it. We're a work team. We talk about it all the time. Chris will tell you, you know, he likes to be the first guy in the gym. He likes to work. You know, but Javon Carter's here two hours before him putting up 8,000 shots a week. And, you know, that's not for show. That's just who he is. And 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 so I would I would say that's who we are. We're a team uh, of guys that that want to improve um, by choice. It's those when, little. Uh, go, yeah, go, go ahead, Josh. Go ahead, I'm right. sorry. I'm so excited. James. Is no, I am, too, because uh, we're both Kentucky guys. So I grew up in Kentucky near Rex. And of course, Booker is one of our favorite players in the league. How do you think uh, Chris Paul has helped him in his growth as a professional? And so how do you think he can improve? What can he improve upon to, to get better every year? Because he, he seems like a finished product at, at some point. Well, I think how, like Devin said just before, that iron sharpens iron. I think what, what, what Chris does is Chris provide, provides um, a, a weight, a counterweight to Devin. Um, you know, for the first time in Devin's career, you know, he goes down at the end of the game and should he have the ball in his hands or should Chris have it, depending on the matchups, like depending on the way the game is going. And that's not something that, you know, in the past you would dictate it, you know, like, hey, get the ball to Devin. Now he's figuring it out. And you know, Chris is coming down in transition and saying, hey, you go to the weak side. I got it. You know, for, for a young player, that's important because you'll run into moments where you, regardless of how good you are, the moment is too big for you because the opponent will take it out of your hands. They can double you. They can trap you. They can pick you up full court. You know, they can make you make another play. And I think Chris has allowed him to be able to accept that and not feel like he is going to hurt the team. Like the team will lose if I step away, if I get off of it, you know, like I'm not letting my team down. Um, and then Chris, Chris will say what he needs to say. Um, and not only will he say what he needs to say, he'll back it up. You know, he can, he can be the one to say, Hey, this is the way to do it. And let me show you. That's not something Devin's had. Um, but he's also the, 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 you know, he, he has the emotional capacity to know, when he needs to, when he needs to like relinquish, when he needs to let go, when he needs to allow Devin to make the mistakes because Chris wants to protect his guys. He doesn't want Devin struggling. You know, it's a point guard's mentality. I got to protect my guys, but he's done a good job too, allowing Devin to take control. And so when you, you talk about Devin as a player, how can he get better and continue to grow? There's still that emotional maturity that has to happen. You know, the, the, the emotion of the game, the pressure of the game, the competitive nature, you know, like I think we still have ways to improve him and Chris together in a tandem. I think they just like dueling to see who can get the most technical fouls <laughs> at it. But I think that's the next level for him because from a playing, a player standpoint, Devin's, he's still too young to know how he'll continue to grow uh, physically. And, you know, you look at his skill set, he's adding things to his, his game every year um, within the year you know, becoming better. So he has a lot of room for growth, but more than anything, I think the mental uh, and emotional maturity is where he can take the biggest steps uh, quickest. And you played on uh, LeBron. LeBron James has called you the best teammate that he's ever had. Um, <laughs> having played on championship teams, man, how, what traits do you look for in players that, that I don't know, that lead you to believe that they can help you guys win a championship and do you guys have the pieces in place to win a title right now? 
We do. Um, because I, I look at winning a title is, is stacking games on stacking wins. You know, if you look at it like, okay, who I think on a nightly basis, we can beat any team in the NBA. And I, we just need to do that four times out of seven. And I do believe we can do that. That's not to say we would dominate teams, but I do believe if we're in those moments, we're good enough to do it. And so, uh, yeah, I believe that. Um, but then just being a great teammate is, you know, I just look for guys that that care, man. Like I look for guys that care about winning, guys that care about their teammates having success. They care. And if you have a, a high care factor, I think that'll get you a long way. Speaking of the character, because I know that's something you really value uh, for the organization and what you're trying to build there. Let's say you had the number one pick. And it was a generational guy, uh, a sort of a Zion, a Le- LeBron. He comes in and he has the worst interview you've ever seen and is completely emotionally not intelligent and immature in so many ways. What do you do at that point? I mean, it, it's, 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 all, it's all about the, the person, like their intent. Like these young, like we ask, you know, we talk about it a lot. We ask these young guys who are 18, 19 years old. When you're talking about the, the the one and done or the you know, prep guy, we're asking guys that are 18 or 19 years old to come in and be the face of franchises, to come in and be the guy that everyone points to when things go poorly, the one guy that everyone points to when things go well, um, and you know they're always the guy in the world's best league against the world's best players, 82 games a year. You know, so like if you can find me a kid that's ready from day one to do all of that, then you have a unicorn. And, you know, hopefully you can find one of those every year. But that's just unrealistic. And so when you have those types of guys, you, you just have to know them. You got to get a chance. You have to, to understand them, their journey, the people that are around them and how they respond to challenges. Because that's the one thing, you know, um, when you get to this league, you're going to face challenges. We're not all prepared to do it, but that's my job. That's our job. If a guy has a true desire to improve, it's our job to help him learn how to deal with that. And so outside of just being a bad guy, like, there, yeah, there are certain things that I don't stand for, we won't stand for. Um, the, the, the list is, like, you know, very few things. But, you know, you got to respect people. You got to be a good person. Uh, you, you can't be malicious. We don't – none of this domestic violence stuff. Like, there's just some – some non-negotiables outside of non-negotiables they're young kids these are young men you know these are people that need guidance and leadership and i just believe our program is built for that to help guys um improve in those areas if that's the one thing or the one area that's holding them back all right you you um you spent time in miami some of your best years uh team-wise were in miami what have you taken from Eric Spolstra and Pat Riley and that culture down there and brought with you to Phoenix? Um, That, you know, they have a philosophy of of what their teams will do and and what it should look like. You know, they have a process about how they do their business. And then more importantly, their people, like when you are, they talk about it. When you are, when you walk into those doors and you step into that building, like you are Miami heat, you know, like, for good or for worse, you choose to come into that building. You choose to be a part of that culture. 
Um, and that's what I, I've learned. Like you, you have to create a culture that resonates with the people you ask to, to partner with you, the players you ask to come and join you. And you just have to be authentic. And, and when things get tough, um, you have to, you have to, you have to live up to it. You have to talk about it. You know, nothing's perfect, um, but they're about winning, you know, and, and they don't hide it. They want to win. And so that's what I took away from that. It's like, yes, the game itself, um, the, the games will take care of themselves. But if you bring people who are about winning, um, you, you create the type of environment that's, you know, attractive to, to all those guys and all those players and all those people that are, that are, that are seeking that type of uh, environment. How good was it for you now being a GM, having played with or for uh, Pat Riley? I mean, it's, it's been, it's been great. Like, like honestly that Miami experience for me shaped me in more ways than people could ever imagine. You know, like I had the journey, my arc there was different. I came in as a free agent expecting to play. I got hurt and then they, they added the big three and we added Mike Miller and Shane Battier and Ray Allen. You know, I go from a guy that's a rotation guy and, and, and projected to be a rotation guy to a guy that's a fringe rotation guy, some DMP sometimes. And, and so being uneven, um, didn't really bother me as much because I was playing amongst some of the greatest basketball players that ever played a game. Mm -hmm. uh, and so it was humbling. And at the same time, it was enlightening to understand that even if I wasn't playing, I had a chance to impact some of the world's greatest basketball players. And that helped me shift my mindset even further to like, how do I help my team? Like, how can I improve as a player, as a professional so that I can help my team win? And how can I help LeBron? How can I help D Wade? How can I get out of myself? How can I help Spo? How can I help, you know, like, like our rookies? It, it became less about me because just thinking about myself and worrying about me wasn't going to improve my chances or, or help the team. Like the team right. needed me in a different capacity. So um, it made me mature and it, it made me accept that in order to win, um, sometimes you have to take a step back. And I did it not because I wanted to, but because the guys in front of me were just so good <laughs> and I had to accept it. That's uh, that, you know, that's, you got to let go of the ego at a time like that. That's what you got to do when and LeBron that's comes because in. Our egos get us here. Like mm -hmm. I got to the NBA yeah. because of my ego feeling like, you know, I will be that guy out of Miami to make it to the NBA. I will be the greatest basketball player to ever come out of Miami. Um, and Udonis Haslam took that from me. Uh, <laughs> shout out to him. Uh, um, but, you know, that was that ego helps you get there, um, but it can't it won't keep you there because now you go up against guys that not only have the ego, but they also have the game to back it up. And, 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 and at some point you just can't compete. I want to brag on James for a second. I don't even know if you remember this, James, but about. It was about three or four years ago, I think. You were with Phoenix, and I, I, was, I bumped into you in Las Vegas. And uh, I was standing with you on the court watching your players warm up. And it, it, for people that don't know, in pro sports, there's a, it's, it, it's a terrible term. I remember, because I, when I first got done playing, I remember somebody asking me, what's his number? Uh, talking about a player. and I, Meaning, how much money does that guy make? And... I was standing there with you and I asked you, I said, what's his number? And you, you looked at me and said, you know, I try not to do that here. And I said, uh, Oh, 
make a guy a number because he said, yeah, you know, it just kind of dehumanizes them. Please. It's brilliant. And this is just part of the culture. Please talk about that, James. I mean, well, I, I was, you know, like I, I played right. And, and, you know, you hear in sports, they talk about players and they talk about players in terms of value, asset, contract value. And it, be, it becomes, you know, they, t- they call guys assets, right? Like he's an asset, you know, like, you know, trade asset. And, 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 and it always rubbed me the wrong way because I was like, man, is that my value? Like when, when people see James Jones, is it James Jones? Uh, if James Jones is on a minimum, he's a minimum value. You know, if James Jones is a, on the maximum, he's a maximum value, like his number. So he's a $30 million guy. It, it had, had nothing to do with who I am as a person. And it, it just made it cold. And so I always said, like, it's, it's, look, it is the business, but I see people first. You know, I, I see those guys, those players who are in the gym grinding, working, trying to be better to help their teams. I don't see them as what's his number. So because um, we're people, you know, we're people first. You ask any of these guys, like you ask any of these coaches, like we're people first. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a person who loves the game of basketball and I try to play it to my to the best of my abilities. Um, I want you to see me as a person first. And I just think for, for players, they appreciate that because when things are good, you know, like they're good, but when things are bad, like who wants to be a number? Like I want to be like, Hey, James is having a bad night or a bad year or bad, you know, season or a bad stretch. I want to, I don't want to be like, man, he's, he's 14 million. He's worth 14 million. Like, man, he sucks. That's that's how it works in this business. So um, I just I just see people first. And I think guys appreciate that because, you know, something that's always stuck with me was um, and I don't know where I got it from. But, you know, you are for three hours a day. You're a basketball player. Who are you the other 21 hours a day? Like I'm not playing games. I'm not shooting hoops. I'm I'm a guy that's trying to work on my craft. I'm a father. I'm a brother. I'm a, a, a husband, like, you know, I'm all these other things, 21 hours out of the day. That's how I see my life. That's how I see players. And so that's why, you know, I always tell you like, hey man, you know, he's an asset. I'm like, no, nah, he's a person. Today's episode of the Rex Chapman Show with Josh Hopkins is brought to you by Dog Biscuits. No particular brand, just Dog Biscuits. Remember not to eat them as a person. That's Dog Biscuits. And we appreciate them sponsoring the Rex Chapman Zero with Josh Hopkins. I don't want you to talk about the West right now. Real quick, what are your thoughts on the East, the Eastern Conference, as you look at Brooklyn and Milwaukee and Philly, uh, Miami? What do you think about the East right now? Man, the East, the East is the East is fun to watch, man. Like, you know, I'm 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 so deeply ingrained, and in, I'm watching the West Coast all the time, so. You know, that's where all my basketball happens is in my backyard. I got to have right. to be very aware of what my opponents are doing. But when I talk about the Eastern Conference, like you have some young teams like Charlotte over there that are playing really, really well. Um, you have Philly, you know, with Embiid and Ben Simmons, you know, with the, and Tobias, what they're doing. You know, Brooklyn, they're playing extremely well, but they haven't had all of their guys uh, together. You know, Miami's starting to pick it back up. Um, you know, Atlanta with the change to Nate, you know, they, you know, they, so when you look at the Eastern conference, because I'm not very familiar with it, like intimately every day, 
it's fun to watch basketball. And, and there's some really good teams and some really good coaches. And, uh, you know, what Washington is doing, man, it's, it's, it's fun to watch. And the best part is it doesn't impact what I'm doing on the West Coast. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so I don't really have a horse in the race and a stake in the race. Um, I'm just looking at it from a fan's perspective, saying like these guys are playing some really good basketball, and and uh, it's kind of it's it's up in the air from 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 week to week. You don't know um, if it's Boston. You don't know what these teams are doing. So it's fun to watch it from from basketball perspective. James, talk a, before I let you go. I I, I do want to talk uh, have you talk for a second about your relationship with Robert Sarver. And Robert's been very, very good to me. Uh, you've been very good to me at times, I'm sure, when I didn't des- deserve it. And so I just want you to talk about Robert a little bit because, look, he's a passionate guy. I've known him since he bought the team. A p- very passionate guy, wants to win in the worst way. Uh, talk to me about your growth with Robert at, just as as friends over the last few years. Well, you know, I say there's two things about Robert that I appreciate. One, I know he cares. You know, and 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 he says it, and he demonstrates it, and he talks about how much he cares, which means a lot when you're in in these positions. And then uh, two is he pushes, you know, like Robert pushes. He's he's not one to to let you stay comfortable or remain comfortable. Um, that's just who he is. He's always pushing you to strive to do more, um, prodding you. You know, sometimes you you don't like it uh, because it's forceful and it's direct. Um, but you understand in order to make it at this level, you have to be forceful and direct. You know, players want that. Coaches want that. You know, everyone just wants clarity um, and they want you to be direct with them. And so it works well for me. Um, I've grown a tremendous amount. of. Uh, I've grown tremendously in my time here. Look, you know, I came into the front office with zero front office experience, uh, a lot of experience with the Players Association. So I've had leadership experience, but not at this level. And, and Robert's been, you know, instrumental in helping me accelerate my timeline to, to get caught up to speed uh, because I do know those two things. He cares. Um, and, and because he's, he cares, he's going to push me. And, and it forces you to, you know, it forces you to move. Um, like it or not, we know we're creatures of comfort. Everyone wants to sit and, you know, enjoy what they're doing. But Robert doesn't give you that opportunity. He reminds you constantly we're doing this for something bigger than ourselves. We have. We have a team, we have a city, we have, um, you know, we have an organization um, that that's relying on us and basketball operations to to do our best to give them a team that's representative of what they believe in. And so uh, I, 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 I can't thank Robert enough for this opportunity. And, and as long as I'm in this chair, I'm going to continue to push. Just real quick, I just want to add Robert, you know, he's taking his share of crap for for things over the years here and there. But one thing that he's always done has been his hiring practices, minorities, women uh, with the Mercury, with the Suns have always been right at the top. So go Robert. Go ahead, Josh. Sorry. Uh, Yeah, James, I was just just sitting here with you for 40 minutes. Um, Your your personality is you're very focused and serious, driven. Um, What do you do to relax what makes you laugh what do you do to kick back and when you're trying to get away from basketball what makes you what makes you laugh um my kids you know like i i, I sit back I'm, I'm a quiet person right like i'm a i'm a quiet person by nature you know just just growing up with my mom you know is a single my mom was a single mom until i was like 11 she met my my stepfather they got married 
um, when I was around 11. Um, but my early years were spent with my mom nursing at night. You know, so I'm at my grandparents' house by myself. My parents are there, my grandparents are there, but I'm up at night looking up like by myself, you know, playing basketball, uh, being a basketball player in a football city, you know, going to the parks, playing basketball, dribbling my basketball and by myself. You know, so basketball for me has always been like my outlet. And, and so now that I'm doing this in this capacity full time, basketball no longer is my outlet, my outlet, my kids. So when I sit back, I sit back and I watch my kids, my daughter play softball, I watch my son play basketball. You know, I watch my younger daughter play volleyball and I'm sitting up in the stands. And you know, those are the times when I can sit back and laugh because I can see myself and I can see them enjoying it. Because as much as I did it as a kid, I did it with a driven purpose. Like I played basketball, I wanted to make a better life for myself. I wanted to make a better life for my, for my, uh, for my family. I wanted to be that guy out of Miami to make it. So I was laser focused. And now I'm in a position where they don't have to do that, um, where they can enjoy that journey towards greatness. And so that makes me laugh because in a, in a lot of different ways, um, you know, I think it's funny. You know, you, you go, you go your entire life pursuing something. Um, and then once you've pursued it, you know, you look back and you say, um, man, I wish I could have enjoyed that, that journey a little bit more. And that makes me laugh because that's just the dichotomy of life, right? Like right. get something, you realize, and I had this conversation with my wife last night, once you attain something, uh, only at that point do you realize how much you sacrifice. And right. so for me in some cr crazy, strange way, um, I think that's pretty funny um, that success a lot of times means that you forget to live. Um, but that's that's for me, like watching my kids, watching kids across the field kind of stumble their way around. I get a chance to see a lot of myself in that. And, and that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's a You're beautiful thing. Now, you said you, you, you didn't really enjoy it. Now you get to so thoroughly enjoy it through your kids. Congratulations, because that's that's pretty fun. Oh, man. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. And that's, you know, that's that's the joy of being a parent, man. Like, that's what I said. Being a husband and being a parent are probably the two greatest things that I, I can reflect on. And, you know, this part is fun, though. Um, basketball. And the reason the reason this is fun for me uh, is because, you know, for. For like a, a good stretch for the first time in my life, I can look back and I can say, like, I'm helping people achieve their dreams like and 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 that feels good absolutely james andrew jones thanks for joining the show uh are you in the new building there the new yeah i'm in the new building i'm here, sounds I'm here like, now. it sounds like y'all got a kickball tournament going on oh no the, so the mercury <laughs> I'm, I'm upstairs in the mercury in the building uh practicing so i get a chance to watch them too watch sandy yeah. coach coach diana and and skyler and and they're out there getting after it a couple questions right before you go. I'd like to ask, what's your favorite movie? Um, of all time? Yeah. I've, I've always gone back to Saving Private Ryan. Wow. I'm Hank. Well Schultz. done. It was a really good movie. And, and as, as much as I, I try to get away from war movies, um, I always go back to that movie because it was, it, was, it was really good. Really well done. Pretty, pretty, it's, it's, it's one of my all-time favorites. Do you have a favorite actor? Um, I, I don't, um, I don't, I don't have a favorite actor. That's, I, I don't. 
I mean, at I one think, point, I, mean, I can see you trying to think of it. <laughs> because, because, because uh, I don't like, I haven't, I don't watch a lot of movies now, but back in the day, it was Tom Hanks was a really good actor when we talk. Oh, about, yeah. Um, Saving Private Ryan, and you talk about Forrest Gump, uh, yeah. Road to Perdition, like a lot of those movies. So I'm with you. Green um, Mile. Green, Green Mile is one of my favorites. Yeah. Tom Hanks, I would say Tom Hanks is, was a stud. Last question if you could sit, center row first first row in the center to one um music act or somebody concert anything alive or dead if you could do that front row center who do you think it might be i would it would actually be a boxing match i'd want to watch muhammad ali fight <laughs> yeah great answer uh, fantastic one of the greatest to ever do it um I, I i you know i had a chance to meet him when i was in portland playing in our portland. homeboy our homeboy yeah, when he was when he was older, um, I met him in Portland, and and uh, he was he, he was bigger than than life, and uh, at the time, the things that he did at the time, I can't appreciate it. Um, I can't fully appreciate. It. I wish I could be there to appreciate it. If that makes sense. Oh yeah, it's a great answer. No doubt, no doubt. James, continued success to the Suns continued success uh staying healthy the rest of the year come back and talk to us after the playoffs maybe will do i'll talk to you at some point at the end of july all right buddy there you thanks, go james all right thank thanks, you guys. thanks for being here appreciate it a lot you got it anytime all right josh well there's james andrew jones thoughts as an impressive a human being as i've talked to in a while you said he was intelligent but i didn't know he was teased yeah. He makes me feel bad about myself. He's so disciplined, intelligent, and just seemingly a, a wonderful person. I was see, I was feeling bad for you, thinking about how stupid you must feel. I mean, he makes me feel stupid. He's got to make you feel really stupid because you're That's stupid. A great point. You're an empath, and you ha had to be thinking <laughs> about me at the time about how bad I felt. He's so smart. You know what? <laughs> you know what he should have done is uh, had him. Oh, we didn't do book club. We should have had him give us some recommendations for book club because you know he's read everything under the sun. Speaking of he's that, he's a voracious reader. I'm sure he seems it. Speaking of that, let's uh, jump into it. Let's jump into book club. Have you read yeah. anything this week? Nope. Yeah, me either. That's been book club. Yeah, man. He's just he's focused. They got the right guy, seemingly, yeah. and he's a character guy first. That was very clear. It's good to see my Phoenix Suns back in the playoffs for the first time in a decade. We'll be watching closely. Uh, guys, that's it. Rex Chapman Show with Josh Hopkins, powered by BasketballNews.com. Same time, same place next week. Subscribe, rate, and review. <laughs>